Thanks for downloading the McKay interview. This podcast is brought to you by Kyoto Japan Automotive Group, a company which I've known personally for over 20 years, and your one-stop shop for tires, batteries, and auto parts. Visit their website at www.kyotojap.com for more details. My newest guest is Professor Rudolf Minch. He's Chief Economist at Economy Suisse, the preeminent business organization in Switzerland representing over 100,000 businesses. We talk about the current state of the Swiss economy and the peculiarities of Switzerland which contribute to its consistent success. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I've started this new year with the topic of economics. Now, money's not everything. We all know that. But a sound economy is usually a strong basis for the successful and fulfilling life of a country's citizens. My last guest spoke of the global economy. Today's guest will speak about the Swiss economy. And that's because I live here. And from the numbers I've seen, so do most of you, dear listeners. Switzerland and its economy is a topic of interest to many of us. Professor Rudolf Mint is Deputy Chairman and Chief Economist of Economy Suisse, Switzerland's principal business organization, representing over 100,000 businesses in this country, employing 2 million workers. Welcome to the McKay interview, Professor Mint. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having you here. Oh. Professor Mint, we're, we're, we're in the warm comfort of Geneva's Warwick Hotel, and it's very cold outside on this mid-January day. And you've just given a very well-received speech and presentation to members and guests of the British-Swiss Chamber of Commerce. Please tell me, Rudolf, if I may call you Rudolf, how is Switzerland doing economically? Astonishingly well. Uh, the performance of the Swiss industry is strong, even though we have a, a lot of problems, say the energy sector, uh, the prices, possible shortages and the like. But uh, if you look at the macroeconomic figures, all seems to be in the right direction. We have an un unemployment rate just above 2%. Inflation rate is below 3%. These are figures also based on the international level, uh, which are really good. And, and we're, we're going to go into some, some more detail about it, but just give me initially the sort of top line, the big picture of why. What, why in the middle of Europe, so I think what the Brussels bureaucrats call the hole in the donut, <laughs> why is it so good? Yeah, it has many, many different explanations. Give us some reasons. Uh, one, I think it's quite important, is the portfolio diversification. And what do you mean by that? We have a lot of successful industries, not just one of them. So once there is a crisis, say uh, an appreciation of the Swiss franc, it does not hurt every industry or the most important industry in Switzerland. It's... Uh, compensated by the performances of other industries. So portfolio diversification and comes along also with a high of innovation uh, because Switzerland is a high-wage country. The industry has to be innovative. They have to find new ways of dealing with the problems in order to compensate the negative impact of the high, high, relatively high costs. Mm -hmm. And the third, probably, it's also important uh, that the labor market is 
relatively flexible. It's not so flexible like the one in the US, but it's uh, much more flexible than comparing to, say, Germany or France. And this is a good reason that enterprises are not reluctant to hire people in good times. And these good people tend to be extremely beneficial if there is a crisis. So tell me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the political entity that I know best is the UK. And that has another history. And, and the economies of another dimension. But there is a fine line, isn't there, between a flexible labor market and a market which exploits the skills of working people. How is it that Switzerland manages to, to walk this fine line so successfully just looking at the number of strike days of workers compared with other countries? I mean, as we speak right now, there are major strikes in France next door, uh, in the United Kingdom, nurses, teachers, ambulance drivers. But Switzerland doesn't seem to fall off the tightrope, so to speak. It walks the tightrope quite well. Why? What's the history that brings that? Because it doesn't happen by accident. It's not by accident, of course not. Uh, so one explanation is, uh, in my opinion, that uh, everyone has a possibility to vote. So once there is an issue that is uh, bothersome for so a group of people, they are able to run an initiative and to try to convince the whole population uh, to go in that or the other direction and not fighting every difference on the street. And this creates a sort of community and also acceptancy. Once there is a decision made, you have to accept the decision of the majority. So this is also a tradition uh, which is really bad, uh, a bad democratic idea. Afterwards, you have a, an initiative, say the population say 60% against this, that you are running uh, again uh, their um, a, a, a counter effect on these, uh, you have to accept the decision by the politics. But Rudolf, there are people listening to us today, not from here, not familiar with the culture. So tell me a little bit more about initiative. This is a this is a, a situation where you literally go around with a piece of paper or a computer, mm -hmm. and you get people to sign up to yeah. a particular point of view and with signatures. Is that correct? It, it's really easy. You yeah. have to collect only 100,000 uh, signatures. Uh, we have a population of about 8 million yeah. or more. Uh, and 100,000 to collect. If you have a real issue, it's quite easy. If you have just a fantastic idea, it's quite hard to collect 100,000 uh, signatures. But if there is really a good issue, uh, it's easy to do well, that. Give, give and after that... Uh, the policymakers have to decide on the initiative. Sometimes they run a counter project, say, okay, this initiative has, a, has an important uh, point which have, we have to look for. They run a counter project, or they say, no, this is nonsense. Uh, the population can uh, vote directly on the issue, and then the whole population can vote, and uh, the majority decides. Okay, so again, for the benefit, particularly of those who are listening who are not from here, can you give, just give me one example of an initiative which had quite a large amount of support as people were going around trying to get the signatures? Because I think people who are not from here, and I've lived here a long time, are sometimes see Switzerland through sort of rose-colored spectacles. Maybe all they know is the road from Geneva Airport to the mountains. 
for skiing or from Zurich Airport mm -hmm. to Engelberg. And that's all they know, you know. And they think it's a place that cuckoo clocks come from, which we know is not the case. But they don't know what really goes on here. So just tr if, from your memory, try and t give me one concrete example of an initiative which really attracted the public um, enthusiasm. Uh, come as flushes to in, into my mind an initiative w where we lost. Mm. Uh, and this uh, in two and of... When you say we, who is we? Uh, we is Economy <laughs> Swiss because okay. uh, we are running campaigns whenever there is initiative. So you're that a lobbying is, organization. Uh, there is a lot, not only lobbying organization, also campaign organization I because see. we have to convince uh, our fellow citizens to support the indus industry's interests. Right. Okay. So therefore, uh, we are making a campaign and saying, trying to can, uh, explain why this or that is good for the population or not, or for the economy and therefore also for the population. And uh, this initiative I've mentioned before uh, was an initiative that wanted to have uh, reduction of immigration, mm -hmm. to control immigration. I remember it very clearly, yeah. 2014, and um, we, we argue that uh, this time, then, yeah, it's probably not good, uh, not in line with the free movement of uh, persons within Europe, because we have a bilateral agreement with the European Union, and this could cause some problems if their Swiss fellowship would vote in favor of this uh, initiative. But however, this initiative has attracted a lot of yes, because people have seen yeah, immigration is not only from the European Union a problem, uh, they uh, all around the world, and they, they said we should control this issue and has voted, but it was uh, really close to very 50. Very close. Very, very close. Mm -hmm. And we have then uh, afterwards some huge uh, debates in the parliament how to deal with that initiative and finally found a solution that is in line with the free movement of labor with the European Union, which is enormously uh, important because Europe is the most important trading partner of Switzerland. I see, because was it not the case of the urban um, centers, you know, the, the Zurichs, the Genevas, the Basels, I'm not sure about Lucerne, but um, had a quite different perspective than the rural cantons like Uri, Schwyz, Unterwalden, in the heart of the country. Is that, is that my recollection correct? That's absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we see in, not only in recent years, but there's some different view if you live on the la in the landscape or if you live in, in the urban areas. Uh, people are also much more multicultural in the urban area than in the rural landscape. But uh, I do not think that this is, uh, uh, you, you should not overstate this difference. Uh, in, in, in the, as a result, we all are Democrats and we are fighting hard uh, if there is a difference in opinion. But once a decision has been made, we are following this, uh, that, uh, this, this, this line. And um, for, for that reason, we have a, a huge consensus uh, what, what, what should be done. So if you have uh, compared it with other countries, if the authority uh, plans to make a new regulation, then the people are not willing to accept that. Uh, maybe in Italy it takes even years until a regulation from the EU is implemented. In Switzerland, uh, if the people has voted, then you have to accept it, otherwise you're a bad Democrat.
I think there's another dimension which um, I'd be interested to see if you agree with me, but I had the privilege about eight years ago of interviewing Adolf Oggi, the former president of the Confederation, the Federal Council, twice. And one of the questions I asked him was about young people and politics. How do you introduce young people to politics? And he explained his logic, his reasoning, that for a democracy to be healthy, for a political entity to be healthy, young people need to understand how the democracy works. If they don't understand how it works, they can't use it, so to speak, to the advantage mm -hmm. of their citizens or to their party. And I think in what you say, there's an unspoken part, which is that young people learn at a relatively young age about consensus building, about argumentation, about disagreeing amicably and not violently. And that's a very important part, which oftentimes the Swiss take for granted because you're so close to it and it's part of your DNA. Mm. What, what do you say to that? Yes, but this is an ongoing process mm. and it is, uh, it's an uh, uphill battle. So young well, people have is. other problems than to vote and to uh, yes. be interested in the political processes, also in economic issues. So we, we are sp spending quite a lot of energy to provide uh, educational materials concerning why uh, is Switzerland performing so good, what are the economic relationships, why is uh, international trade that important for the well-being of the people in Switzerland and the like. All these relationships uh, you have to understand first before you're going to vote in favor or against a, a, a point. Exactly, exactly. My guest today is Professor Rudolf Minch, Deputy Chairman and Chief Economist of Economy Suisse, Switzerland's premier business organization. Now, Rudolf, though talented and industrious, the Swiss are no more nor no less intelligent than other people of the world. So give me some insights into the politics of managing the economy well and of reining in politicians who might not be wise. I mean, it was not always the way it is today. And I remember living in Zug back in the late 80s and early 90s when inflation was quite high, when interests were quite high, and when the a break had to be put on borrowing and all those mechanisms. For the benefit, again, of those who may not have a good memory or don't know this country, give us a sense of how the system pulls people back to finding a consensus. One important issue is that we have a coalition government. Explain not that. Not a president of one party that can decide close to alone about an issue together with the parliament. But in a coalition agreement, you have to create a majority in the federal council. And the federal council has, is, uh, uh, there are four parties are member of the federal council. So always is a possibi possibility to speak with one or the other federal council, even though an issue is not in his or her direct responsibility. And this creates uh, an openness, uh, in a sense, a wideness of um, different opinion in order to find a solution that is right. And the second a second thing is uh, we <coughs> had the lucky punch in 1848 when, when, when the new Switzerland, the modern Switzerland was founded, that they have uh, chosen a model with two chambers in the parliament which have total equal rights. 
And the huge pro of these is that this, there's no short decision. It takes always quite a bit of time to find a consensus. And once you have a decision in one chamber, it takes another three months until the other chamber starts the same uh, discussion, the same issue. In between, maybe the circumstances have been changed, people have, be have become uh, um, uh, better informed about that, and you can provide good arguments why a particular issue is probably not a good idea. And this helps to prevent uh, that, that we are making too much bad decisions. It's the negative part is obviously it takes always a, a bit of more time than in other countries until we have found a solution. But just a point of clarification, these parties in this federal council, this circle of four, they're not there by right, they're there by a percentage of the popular vote. Yeah, but yeah. this is, is a formula the policymaker has chosen in the past, and they're looking uh, which party has, um, similar in other other uh, coalition agreements worldwide. Um, but in Switzerland, they tend to be relatively stable over time. So these four parties belong to the Federal Council since since the 60s or so. so. And, and this goes back, as you say, to this lucky punch of the, the new constitution in the 18, 1848 which was the new Switzerland, so to speak, politically. Yeah, and it turned out to be a lucky punch. Yeah. Nobody knew at this time then whether it will work or not. But uh, it has proved to be flexible enough to adapt to new circumstances, but stable enough uh, to go into the right direction. So we have no civil war in between, no uh, really big internal uh, difficulties besides some, um, uh, yeah, the unions were sometimes a bit difficult, but not really big issues over 170 years. So this has created the stable foundation of modern Switzerland and a stable political environment is the best thing for business activities. That you can know that the regulation will not change overnight when the new government is taken uh, a step into the government. It's stable over time, and you can trust that the regulation That's will important. be there also in the future. Very important. Let's talk about migration. Immigrants, like me, mm -hmm. for example, are causes for much heated discussion in many countries, not just Switzerland. And we've talked about the referendum some years ago. And certain political groups make noisy and sometimes dangerous capital out of that. But your research shows that immigrants have made and continue to make a special contribution to this country. Tell me more about the contribution of migrants to Switzerland. Immigration is for Switzerland an absolutely key issue and in a positive way. Uh, and here uh, it's a big advantage that Switzerland has attracted in the past immigrants which are well qualified, uh, often leaders, entrepreneurs and upper class people. They wanted to, they, some have been refugees, say from the Catholic authorities, went to Switzerland, others has been in the 19th century, more liberal uh, people, for they, they fled into from Germany or Italy. 
and Switzerland was attractive for especially high qualified people and luckily this holds on in, in nowadays. If you look at the free movement of labor between the European Union and Switzerland, you, the majority is well qualified, has uh, uh, studied uh, something in their home country and provide their knowledge, his knowledge, into the Swiss economy. It's uh, therefore also much easier to integrate these people in the in the community. Uh, we have close to no uh, situation like a banlieue in, in, in France, where you have uh, only a, a community of foreigners which are uh, self, uh, without can uh, contact to the local population. Yeah, so and this is a huge uh, advantage, and hopefully this will go on in the future too, where there are a lot of interesting opportunities, business opportunity in Switzerland. And what we observe is that immigrants are often risk takers and entrepreneurs taking on the chances, and this drives the economy. Mm, I understand that. Last question, Rudolf. Shangri-La is a fictional place. Switzerland is not. But some compare this country to a kind of perfect state. Now, I've lived here for almost 40 years, and that must say something. But where can Switzerland do better in your sort of analytical, apart from your emotional sense as a Swiss, um, your analytical sense as an economist, where do you think Switzerland can do better? There's a friend of mine who was on this show about five, six, seven years ago who used to run the Avenir Suisse Bureau in Geneva, talked about the dangers of complacency, of basically taking your foot off the gas pedal a little bit and coasting. Um, and it's not that simple. You always have to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Where do you, where do you think Switzerland can do better? This is exactly uh, a critical issue. Uh, the situation is really good, the wealth situation, the um, uh, condition, living conditions are great, uh, unemployment is low and so on. So maybe people don't, do not realize anymore where these wealth come from, that you have to always uh, get 100% energy in the project and not just uh, saying, okay, now reduce the amount of uh, labor uh, time a bit to 80 or 70%, I want to have more leisure. Uh, this there we see an uh, uh, there we observe some tendency towards this. Is that a generational thing, sort of under fifty, over fifty, or is it not that simple? Uh, it's merely a generational thing. The, our kids have grown up in a comfortable uh, situation and uh, probably think about yeah, now we want to have uh, a study of arts instead of business, uh, music instead of Engi law, engineering, uh, uh, engineering and yeah. the like. Yeah. So uh, th there's a clear tendency towards, towards that direction, but similar is not the only, uh, not the only place uh, for that. The last question, because we haven't really touched on it, but you made uh, an important point in the speech and presentation uh, earlier today, and I've experienced it as well with my own children, having been through part of their school life in the Swiss system. Talk about education and the value, because of the way it's structured in this country, to the continuation of prosperity. So I think it's very important. Uh, and I personally believe that this, uh, the education system is one of the key issues that drives the Swiss DNA. Uh, you have to imagine about two-thirds of our young 
uh, generation uh, do not study at the first time and they go to school at the age of 16, they start uh, making an apprentice. In an apprenticeship, at the age of 16, 16 so they, can, yeah. they work f three or four days per week and one or two days they go to school. And for that system, it's, a, it's a early contact with the labor market. With the real, the real world. For so the real world. Yeah. They're taking over in, at the age of 16, 17, uh, small steps of responsibilities. Yeah. And... Uh, there is also some studies that have shown that this early contact is positive for innovation. People that see the practical problem earlier, they are more innovative than people they study up to 25 years or so and then thinking about uh, starting their business or starting working anyway. So and just to say, this, is this apprenticeship uh, is, is, is not a dead end. So one, uh, once uh, uh, a man or a young woman started to make this apprenticeship, it's not over. The whole world remains open. It's a possibility that afterwards they uh, go to the University of Applied Sciences. Maybe she or her, uh, she or he switch uh, move to the EPFL or the ETH in Zurich, the, which the is the federal universities, which are uh, among the top universities of the that's world. Right, right. So education is, in a sense, free for everyone, and there is no necessity that the parents are rich. Uh, you can really make your own luck. Uh, once, if you're willing to work hard, uh, the, the doors are open. Fantastic. Well, that's really fascinating. I think thanks very much for answering my questions. I mean, it's such a, for such a small country, relatively speaking, it's such a big story to talk about and such um, a rewarding story to talk about because going back to the analogy of the bumble, by all logic, the <laughs> sonderfall, l'exception, is not supposed to work, but it does. <laughs> thanks again for your time. My guest today has been Professor Rudolf Minch, Deputy Chairman and Chief Economist of Economy Suisse, Switzerland's premier business organization. Rudolf, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the McKay Interview podcast, brought to you by Kyoto Japan Automotive Group, a company which I've known personally for over 20 years, and your one-stop shop for tires, batteries, and auto parts. Visit their website at www.kyotojap.com for more details. And you can find more podcasts on Anchor FM. Just Google McKay Interview Anchor FM. Thanks again for listening.